Welcome to Manifesting with Meg, Conversations with Extraordinary People. This is a podcast that is inspirational based upon my book, The Magical Guide to Bliss, that takes the listeners through the year with empowering conversations. Starting from January and Carpe Diem sees the day to December, awe-inspiring magic and miracles. Time to sit back and relax as these extraordinary people, my guests, share their wisdom so that you too can elevate your life. It's time to discover more bliss, get intentional, and start to transform your dreams into reality. It's time to come alive because the world needs more people who wake up and come alive to the possibilities for their own life. Enjoy. Welcome everyone to Manifesting with Meg, Conversations with Extraordinary People. This is episode 103 of October, Empowered Through Service. And tonight I have an amazing guest with me. She is Carlene Montes de Oca, and she is the author of Dog is My Doctor, Cat is My Nurse. Is that correct? Dog as my doctor, cat as my nurse. Okay, even better. Dog (laughs) as my doctor, cat as my nurse. She is going to be vibing the theme today. It is in giving that we receive. And I love that because literally it is the golden rule and to a certain extent where we treat others as we want to be treated as well. So in the giving, in the receiving, we're here to offer that to all of you. And this is a show about transformation, dreams, inspiration, true happiness, discovering bliss. We'll start our conversation because we're just one conversation away from extraordinary. It's time to wake up to a universe packed with possibility. And I get to introduce you to Carlene. She is an animal advocate, international speaker, and the number one Amazon bestselling and award-winning author, as I said, dog as my doctor, cat as my nurse. Carlene has been featured on ABC, CBS, the San Francisco Chronicle, and gave a TED Talk called The Life-Changing Power of the Animal-Human Health Connection. I love this. I'm a huge animal lover, and I can't be more excited on this evening to talk to you. A longtime resident of Northern California, she now lives in Santa Fe, New Mexico with her husband, Ken Fisher, an award-winning sound editor, and their beloved rescue dog, Grace. Her upcoming book, and this is why we're all here, Junkyard Girl, A Memory of Ancestry, Family Secrets, and Second Chances, will be available next week. November 2nd is her launch, 2022. I am so excited to be talking to you and celebrating you tonight. Welcome, Carlene. How are you tonight? I'm great, and I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, my God. You know, one of the things I love, first of all, is that you're a huge animal advocate. So any person who is going to champion the animals of the world, I'm like, I'll be your friend forever. (laughs) Because literally, I always said that animal dogs are either cats or dogs are the animal guides. They're the ones who, you know, take care of us. So those that take care of them, you know, is is quite a beautiful thing to behold. And one of the things I love to do with the show is get intentional. And at the outset, I ask everyone to obviously set their intention. Magical Guide to Bliss is what this show is based on. So let me give you a little show, a case of that. And we pick one of the intentions of the book. And at the end of the show, we'll go through it and we'll see how your intention for this evening matches the insight. And you know, one of the coolest things about this magical guy has become how incredibly synchronistic it always turns out to be in the end. Like I said, tonight, our theme 
is it is in giving that we receive. And I wanted to read off to you how wonderful this quote is tonight because I think it really sets the tone for an amazing conversation. It's Winston Churchill, British statement and 20th century prime minister of the United Kingdom. He says, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. And, you know, interestingly enough, your story, Jen Drug Girl, I'm not going to give anything away, even though I just really love, I can't wait to have a book club to talk all about it. But, you know, it's really interesting how that giving and receiving, you know, the whole giving and receiving and the whole, you know, played a part in your memoir. And, and it really is something that you really sit with me because, you know, like I said, you know, the animals, it was always like the animals were your, your constant, your, your dogs were your constant. And I think that in many respects, I found that to be very mirroring my own personal life because the animals have been always a constant. So one of the things I want to talk about tonight is with and giving is received. We are like always recipients of beautiful, wonderful things from others. You know, when we talk about, have you ever been receiving something like that? Have you ever out of the blue received something from a friend? And in this case, well, I don't know how much you want to tell about the crux of your, your story, even in Junkyard Girl, but the DNA, the receiving of information <laughs> from that, I, you know, even that in and of itself is, you know, quite a, wonderful, you know, giving and receiving kind of playing out in your life. But, you know, when we realize that it really is that generosity, that part of our lives that we, we, we reach out to others and bring them in, we receive so much more in kind from the, on the other end as well. So perhaps you've been lucky enough to be on the receiving end of that. Certainly I have, you know, rest assured when you give love and you're in, out there in a generous spirit, then you experience like 12 fold, 10 fold, you know, 20 fold coming back to you. And, and, you know, I, I want to parlay that into the animals, you know, I, I can tell you, you know, they look to us to take care of them, but we, what we receive from them in the other end has been for me even more amazing. And i tonight is the anniversary of my dog, Leonardo. I have his little picture here. So I feel like, you know, it's a perfect conversation around animals and what they can give to you because while wow, the impact is amazing. So with that, what are your thoughts on this whole concept, this whole theme? It is in the giving that we receive. I am all about that 1000%. I don't know that I certainly began life thinking that way, but I certainly have found that to be true. I, in thinking about giving and receiving, I was thinking that a long time ago, I, was, I remember in my early 20s, I was driving over the Golden Gate Bridge and there's toll, a toll at the Golden Gate Bridge. This is in San Francisco. And, I, and when I pulled up to the toll, the fellow who was at the toll said, go ahead, you don't have to pay. And I said, why not? He said, that person paid ahead of you. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I was, I thought, and I looked at the person, they didn't ask for anything. They didn't wave to me. They didn't do anything. Yeah. And that has stuck with me for 40 years. <laughs> I have thought of that moment, thinking yeah. of just this little generous moment. And ever since then, I, I, I love the idea of random acts of kindness. Yeah just not taking credit for anything, just giving. And one of the, one of the groups of uh, individuals that I believe does that so well are animals. And I yeah. think that uh, in a sense, being of service serves us, really. Yeah. It serves the person who gives. And so animals are that way, whether they're service dogs, emotional rescue dogs, your pet dog who lays on your lap and just loves you when you're having a bad day. Um, I think that service is what can make the world go around. 
I think that's absolutely an incredible point. And, and I think that, you know, everyone is always looking out for what's in it for me, what's in it for me. And at the end of the day, I, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, that, okay, yeah, I think that we all need to fill our cups. I do believe that that is important as well. But at the end of the day, when we actually do these random acts of kindness, you feel so much more incredible and so much more alive that it turns your whole, you know, heart on. I think the light and the shining, you know, it comes from you because you feel like someone's given to you and poured into you so much easier to pour into others. And I love that you said that. And we have everyone here. Leslie's here and Valerie's here and she's, they're all saying wonderful things. Your memoir is exceptional and it is absolutely exceptional. I, you know, I want to hear a little bit about your story. And I, you know, I know that it comes from experiencing those really random acts of kindness to many extents. I think that, you know, with regard to your life, it's a fascinating, fascinating story. So why don't you tell us a little bit how you got here with uh, with two books, your memoir coming out, and just being an animal advocate. You're you're also you, you do holistic healing for for animals as well as humans, right? Humans are also incorporated in that as well, or is just go ahead. Well, I've had uh, three careers. I'm yeah. on my third career, but this is my career I'm staying with. So yeah. how I got here, at least in my professional life, was that I started off in the movie business. Oh, and I, I have to tell you this story, Meg, because talk about manifesting. When I was 17 years old, I was sitting with my big brother in a movie theater and we were watching like, you know, lightsabers and spaceships and you know, I, we couldn't even put popcorn in our mouths because we oh, were so it. in awe of Star Wars. And oh, I remember yeah. when I, I had never seen anything like it. And when I was done, I remember thinking to myself, I want to do that. Oh, and, I love it. <laughs> and I, I didn't know what doing that meant. I didn't know what it meant. But next thing you know, I, I got into film school and college. And then I got a job working for George Lucas at Lucasfilm. Right. And so I was doing all that, but I was doing film editing. Uh, the thing is that then I moved to Los Angeles and worked in Hollywood for a while. And the movie business is a tough taskmaster. Boy, yeah. long hours. I was pretty unhealthy because I was just never getting enough sleep, always eating really poorly and never exercising. But uh, about 20 years into it, I decided, what else can I do with my life here? What else is there? And I had been getting acupuncture from these amazing acupuncturists. And I was so inspired by what, how well I felt. And I thought to myself, okay, I'll go study Chinese medicine for a summer and see if I even like it with the idea that I would actually try to help animals with it. Love it. But I got so absorbed in it that, yeah, I quit the movie business or I sort of did that part time and then went to school at night. So I did that. And when I graduated, I opened my own practice up in Marin County in Northern California, did that for 15 years. But at the tail of it is when I would sit there and listen to my clients start telling me about how their animals would help them heal, whether it was from cancer or depression or a, a wide variety of things. And I thought, wow, I know animals have been so helpful in my life. I know how much they have helped me go through my own bouts of depression or sadness, grief, loss, whatever it was. And then I thought, hmm, this might make a good book. And so it was at the tail end of working in the acupuncture field that I had this idea. And that's when I started to work on my book. And at the time, it seemed like science was also coming up with more and more articles about the benefits of the animal human bond. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that's how I got to being an author. But boy, I never expected to take a DNA. I mean, I took a DNA test for fun three years ago, just for fun. And also to see how much Jewish blood was in my mother's maternal bloodline. Yeah. And uh, God, I never expected to hear the words, Carlene, you're adopted, especially five okay. years, five decades on the planet later. Okay. So everything that you just said is a lot. I'm going to unpack it now because I think it's really important. Okay. So you actually wanted to be a part of Lucasfilm and you actually were yes. a part of Lucasfilm. Yeah. Amazing. Yes. And that experience, just that in and of itself, because I'm so interested in that world. How did that help you as an author with your first book? Absolutely. I think editing, even though it wasn't my number one thing that I wanted to do, I always wanted to be a writer. Yeah. But writing was a little harder for me to get into than editing. And editing was, I worked with some really brilliant editors who really understood story and knew how to put pieces together. So I think that was really helpful. And in my putting the important pieces of my book together. For example, a lot of people don't like to get rid of things or I, I'm like, fine, it doesn't work. Get rid of it. I'm done. <laughs> I love that. You, go ahead, please. Go ahead. No. And I was also thinking how so many people have told me that the book reminds them of a film. And do I have ideas about making a film? And so I think that at least unconsciously, I also operate in that way. Yeah, no, I think that is, you know, they always say how many 10,000 hours till you're an expert. So if you're doing that, there is no doubt that's going to permeate into mm -hmm. your writing. And I'm always been a fan of reading a book and having it come to life on the page as if I were reading it in a movie theater and watching it come to life. And I think, you know, I haven't read your first one, but you're definitely your second one. It, the way you set it up, the way you went back, the way you took it around, it definitely was engaging. So that takes us to the acupuncture before we jump into this. Wow. So this is a whole different, you're in this crazy world. Leslie's saying it's a crazy world of, you know, film and, and, you know, the whole writing and the editing and everything, it just goes super fast. And then you know, you decide to step out and you'd go into this whole world that, you know, Chinese medicine, acupuncture, what did you learn about yourself in that realm that you've taken into your writing? Now, I mean, I know the first book is a lot about that, but now, you know, even telling your story through a more holistic healing approach, what have you taken into this part of your life with regard to that? I think working as an acupuncturist was amazing. In fact, I remember I worked for at the uh, when I was working in the movie business, my last job, and I did it for about two years was working for a very well known writer at the time he wrote pretty, pre, uh, pretty woman. Okay. And uh, he was uh, he had written many things. And he was, you know, a brilliant writer. And I remember saying something to him about, you know, I think I'm going to leave the movie business and I think I'm going to go do this acupuncture thing. And everybody else thought I was insane. Like, what? And he said, you know what? I think that's a good idea. You need to go experience life so you have something to write about. <laughs> uh, I love it. Oh, yeah. that's great. So sitting with people day after day and listening to their stories and to be, I think it taught me to be a really good listener. Yeah. And to not try to impose myself on people to really listen to where they're coming from and to provide a safe space. Yeah. That's and, awesome. and it also showed me how to be vulnerable. 
in a way that I wasn't before, just allowing myself to be with them, just be in their pain and their anger and whatever it was and realize, oh, I'm okay. I'm not hurt by that. I'm actually connecting to this person. So I think it then, so taking that and then suddenly being able to write, I realized and to work on my books, I thought, gosh, I'm coming from a new perspective I didn't have. It's, you know, I, I feel like my heart was opening more and more and more. And I think with this last book, it really opened up. So that takes me to this beautiful cover, Junkyard Girl. Tell me about that. I love it. It looks like, I mean, clearly it looks like you. That is, I think, <laughs> what you were going for, I imagine, you know. Um, tell me, like, this is a beautiful, engaging cover. Tell me, how did you come up with this? Well, oddly, I came up with the idea. My husband and I both talked about the idea of it, like, oh, a really old car and me and a dog looking at the clouds. But I will give total credit to, to Christy Day at Constellation Book Services, who somehow took that idea and did this because that does look like me and that looks like the dog I had. Wow. When I saw it, I was so blown away and it really resonates with me because it was my body type, everything. Wow. So, so I found her and she did that and, and I couldn't be more pleased. Wow. No, it's a beautiful cover. And I think that, you know, you know, they always say, you know, don't judge a book by its cover, but this is clearly <laughs> engaging. Like, you know, as far as the clouds and, and, you know, getting to know you only via your book and what I've known about you through our, our, you know, our connections, you know, mm -hmm. the clouds for me symbolize, you know, that imagination that you have that, that, you know, that beautiful, you know, fluffy pillowy when your life may not have been feeling like that, but yet this is like, was your solace, it, you know, and I wanted to, you know, one of the things I do love about the show is because I get to peek into your mind with regard to what inspires you. So before we go into the DNA aspect, wow. First of all, I love this quote. It's amazing. Until one has loved an animal, a part of one's soul remains unawakened. Anatole Francis, tell me, what does this mean to you? This means everything to me. I believe this to be true. I, I think that maybe I wasn't fully awake until I discovered the deep connection and allowing myself to talk about it because yeah. that's the other thing you can keep it really quiet and not tell people and in fact when I wrote this book people started coming out of the woodwork and telling me their stories and then saying oh but you must think I'm crazy and I'm like <laughs> no I wrote a book I totally believe this to be true and I think that has something to do with the fact that animals like uh, especially the animal companions we have in our home I mean, this is the way that they connect with us is through our hearts, through our souls, through feeling, through emotion, yeah. not not through words. Yeah, not through words. And and you travel a lot with your animals, right? You do go with, with Grace, with Grace. <laughs> I pretty much go everywhere with Grace. And I know this is jumping the gun, but in 18 months, we're going to go to Portugal. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I know we had like been talking about the whole idea of you wanting to go to Spain, but now mm. for the Camino, are you doing the Camino with Grace? We want to do that. Yeah. As long as she's up for that. But yeah. yeah. But the other thing too, is we don't have to, we don't have to do 20 miles a day or 15. Yeah. We'll, we'll go at a slower pace if she needs it. 
Oh, I love that exploring the world. And I think that, you know, there's something to be said. People love animals and they greet you differently when you have one. I, I put a post, a meme up recently that says, I'm the kind of person who talks to talks to dogs. You know, that's my that's my world. I talk to animals. That's you know, everyone's like, Yeah, me too. Anyway. Well, this is the next one. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now. And I love this Chinese proverb. You know, one of the things I was trying to I, I was telling you at the outset was you know, how I'm trying to be really present to those things, those plants, those trees, everything I want to grow in my life right now, as if I am living the dream. I am in this life living the dream right now that I always wanted, that my dreams are coming true and I'm experiencing it. Tell me what this means to you. Having having spent so much time in as an acupuncturist and studying Chinese medicine, I'm all about prevention. Uh, I am all about prevention, whatever that is. And I know it goes beyond health, but to me, it's like, you know, the best time to do something is yesterday. So start early and, and that goes for health. That goes for many things. So, so when people come to you, like, you know, with regard to their health, you treat, you treat people and animals then, or just people. I I, I remember I had asked that. Yeah. Now I've taken, now I'm full-time writing. So, oh, okay. I, so you're not doing the acupuncture. No, I I technically still have my li- my license and and whatnot, but I am putting all of my efforts into my writing. It feels for me it was like how many people can I touch? How many people can I help? And in some ways being an author so far has allowed me to reach a lot more people. But you also did a TEDx. Tell me how was that experience? Oh, I, I loved it. Well, I love the I love the <laughs> yes. title. The life-changing power of the animal-human health connection. Uh, you know, tell tell us about like how that topic came to mind. I've seen it. It's excellent. Everyone, go on TEDx, and or I'm sorry, TED Talks, and check it out. It's a really wonderful, engaging TED Talk. But tell me, for you, how did that come about for you? Well, it's interesting what Facebook can can bring into your life. I was on Facebook one day and somebody reached out to me and said, do you, would you be interested in doing a Ted talk? And I was like, what, who is this person? And then I saw, I had met this man many, many, many years ago, but he was an animal lover and he kept liking the things that I was posting. So it says, so I had to interview or do an audition or at least talk about what I was going to do. And they seemed to like the idea. So I was really fortunate because I do know that TEDx talks are a little hard to get on. Uh, But it was great. I will tell you, Meg, it was one of the peak experiences of my life. I remember thinking at the time after I had done it, as I was flying on the airplane to San Francisco to do another talk, I thought this is it was so amazing because it made me almost let go of any lingering fears I had about public speaking. And it was such a beautiful connection with people and the other speakers. So it was great. And what year did you do that again? Oh man, I'm not going to have that. Damn. I I don't remember, but it had, it was after my book. So 2018 maybe. I don't remember. Yeah, no, I was just curious because I was trying to say, like, was it, it was like just supposed against the pandemic, you know, when, you know, oh, really before the pandemic. pandemic. Yes. Before that. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. you know, Leslie's saying, and no joke, dogs are sitting next to me listening to this or something. <laughs> Anyone who doesn't love animals, which, you know, clearly these are people that I love, you know, certainly, you know, with the idea 
that you're bringing this whole idea of you know, the human and the human animal health connection. You know, they say it calms you down. It regulates your, your blood pressure, your breathing dogs sense when there's something wrong, even like with regard to you know, my, my father, um, has a dog and he follows him around all the time, like literally keeping his eye on my dad. I'm like, well, you know, thank you. I keep saying thank you, Zach, for taking care of my father because it gives us a reason to breathe, I think, sometimes as animals of ours. So, you know, I love that you said that. What is maybe a kernel that you can give us tonight from that that we could all take away perhaps and, and you know, share with someone else other than go see the TED Talk, TED Talk. go see it, go check it out. Well, how about if I share a story from that? That was pretty amazing. There, this is a story I shared on the TED Talk, which was that there was a woman who was, uh, she was a computer person and she was on her computer and her dog who was about 12 years old. And I remember the dog's name was Kayla. She was under the computer and started whining. And the woman was like going, be quiet, be quiet, but the dog wouldn't. So she took her to the vet and the vet said, hey, I've done lab tests. There's nothing wrong with your dog. So she went back to work and the dog kept crying and whining. And one night she was laying in bed and she was trying to calm Kayla down because her husband was trying to sleep. And all of a sudden, Kayla, who's 12 years old at the time and hadn't jumped on the bed in like two years because she's arthritic, jumps on the bed, starts scratching at the woman's breast until she made it bleed. And then when her husband woke up and felt the breast, he found some a growth. Now, this woman had already been to the doctor and the do a month before, and the doctor had given her a clean bill of health. Yeah. But he said, oh, my God, this is an aggressive form of breast cancer, and that oh. dog just saved your life. Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> so wow. there are, I mean, yeah, that's a big extreme case, but we see, we have seen many times that animals wow. will know if a person has <laughs> cancer, yeah. uh, high blood pressure, if they're going to have an epileptic seizure. And they can let people, you know, they can let their guardian know. But gosh, I mean, who, uh, it, there is such a wide variety of things that our animal friends can help us with when it comes to mind, body, spirit, which is total health. You know, and, 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 and you see more and more that a lot of the military people use the animals for emotional, you know, support mm -hmm. animals, which, you know, keeps them like very much on even keel because the dogs will understand when they're going to have a panic attack. Even mm -hmm. that's amazing. You know, that goes to the point where it talks to talk back to your acupuncture and the energy that we all give off to each other. Wow. It's incredibly in tune what the, elements that we exude, you know, basically that even the dogs are so much smarter than we are because we don't, we ignore it. We don't pay attention a lot. It's true. And, and one takeaway, if I could have people actually just think this about this, even if they don't buy it, but just think about it. The one thing that animals want, our dogs, our cats, is to be safe. Mm -hmm. They want safety yeah. so that they're very alert to you when you stop breathing because you're tense or stressed or you start crying or whatever that is. Yes. So for example, for me, I rescue dogs and they often come with some baggage, but in order for me to help them, I need to really be more balanced in my own, you yeah. know, in my own space. So when you're seeing your dog act out or do things that you're mad at them about, yeah, okay, maybe they did it, take a breath and then look at yourself and see uh, what you may have contributed to that scenario. Yeah. 
That's fantastic. That is, uh, yeah. It's always looking at ourselves, right? When people yeah. around us are yes. acting out, always <laughs> yeah. looking at ourselves. It's yeah. like, what's happening in me? That I, not that, you know, yes. What, what, how am I a part of this whole thing? How do we attract that? Attract, but like, mm -hmm. the fact of the matter, and I love that you're saying this because we're so connected to each other. Mm -hmm. All of us are so connected. And when we, hate speech, all of it. Like you're, you're hurting yourself. So that's one thing I never really truly understand. And dogs are certainly in tune to, they bark when we argue, they don't like, you know, they just like, you know, it agitates them and they're so in tune with the energy component for sure. But like the whole thing is that we're all connected. And I, and I love that you just said that because, you know, look at yourself, check it out. What's happening within you. That's amazing. I think it's totally on point. And it gets better. As we let our light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. I love this. I love this. I love this. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence actually liberates others. That goes into what I just said about the connectedness. Marianne Williamson, please tell us what you think about this. I love this because I think it's so true. And, you know, I think about how I grew up and I grew up with a lot of shame and a lot of, um, I was depressed a lot. I was unhappy there were, but yet it's an interesting thing. I wrote this new book that's coming out and whereas it's a memoir, I wrote everything about myself, you know, in that book and I let whatever that light was shine. I didn't know I was doing that at the time, but I just sort of took off all the barriers. And one of the things that I have loved so far is that people who've read this book in advance, advanced readers, have, have somehow connected to some part of their life that somehow connects to that life that I had. And yeah. these are people who are completely different. They didn't grow up in California. They grew up in New York or they grew up in the South or, but yet they find some kind of commonality and something that says, gosh, I grew up sort of like that or, or in some way and they connect. So I believe that to be true even now more than I did I before. Our light, light attracts light. I absolutely agree. And I think that the fact of the matter is like what I love giving other people's permission because you were able to get past your fear, to speak your truth, to stand mm -hmm. in your power. And I think that like, talk about empowerment, talk about empowering yourself that will actually empower others. And, and I think this is absolutely beautiful. And then we go to this. And one of the most potent ways to discover and accept yourself is to tell your story. Honestly, there you will find yourself, Harold Pinter. But this is memoir. This is yeah. memoir and, and it can be novel as well, but this is when you stand in those pages holding your truth. Wow. Sharing your story with everything. And, and that goes back to what you were saying before, but tell us what this means to you and then start talking about the DNA test. Oh my God. It, it's, just, <laughs> it's just, wow. Yeah. Well, I want to share that my my husband's cousin actually sent me this. He had, he was an advanced reader and he, he sent me this and I it, it, suddenly things made sense on a whole other level yeah. of, cause I feel pretty empowered, you know, having, and most of that is because I've shared something so deeply personal and people have not, I always thought, well, you would get rejected. People would reject you or reject me if they really knew me, but they've done the opposite. So nice. Yeah. And I love that about writing, Meg. You know, I love that when we write our truth and I only sort of started to really write what was true in my first book because I was still a little bit like, what will people say? Yeah. But 
every time I write it, I feel much more empowered and, you know, just more of myself. I love it. And, and you know, well, and, and also, you know, going from an editor's standpoint, when you were doing, you were editing with the films, you know, that's being really scrutinizing other, the story and, and pulling out, you know, this is about emoting everything that is important to you that impacted you, how you experience it. So we can feel what you felt and, and imagine you take a DNA test and then all of a sudden your whole world is turned upside down. I mean, I don't know if you want to share a little bit about that since it's the crux of junk, junkyard girl, mm -hmm. but why, why did you write this book? Why did you want to share this part of your story or your whole story? Sure. Well, um, it started off with an absolute need to put it down on paper because as a writer, that's how I figure things out. That's how I process things. If things don't make sense or I'm unhappy about something, I have to put it down on paper and in the doing of it is it. when I kind of get a better grasp of what I'm doing. So discovering I was adopted so late in life really was the ultimate, let me take the, you know, pull the rug out from under you and then wrap you up in it. And I don't know what, <laughs> because it was, it was like a Molotov cocktail of emotions was going through me. Um, you know, when, you know, because it was so it was such a like wreaking havoc on my foundation, my identity, you know, it felt yeah. like that was like completely in, you know, pieces. And I had to put it back together again. So writing the book, I, I just had to, there was just no other way around it. Yeah. But what happened was that as I wrote it, and I think as I let certain people read it, I started seeing that it was somehow helping other people. And especially other people who are late discovery adoptees like me, a lot of people haven't moved past that. I mean, wow. it can be years and years, but it's so traumatizing to a lot of people. Yeah. So I thought, you know what, I think I'm seeing that this book might be or help people maybe on their journey to get to the other side. Well, I, I, I think any, any effort in our own lives, back to Marianne Williamson's quote, any effort that we give ourselves the permission to accept ourselves as we are but to know what right to know ourselves in the writing and the journaling and everything that you did and then sharing it so that someone else might step into that healing process start it off might 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 be the beginning but any what anytime we can let go of the trauma then mm -hmm. our soul is at peace our soul can experience things differently and i think that's the gift what you did uh in many respects and and i love how you you walked us through your childhood and you walked us through the different relationships. I'm not going to tell everyone, but it was just definitely this moment, right? That wake up call, the hero's journey begins. Ah, you know, it's, oh my God. But you're thinking, okay, I just want to learn a little bit more about my family. And then you find out so much more. And that will take us to this last quote. Be careful oh. of the suffering you take from another because it may be the one thing that wakes them up anonymous. Wow. I, I was just like, I love how you built on them because now this, this says so much, right? You, you, I mean, talk, talk to us about this because I think this goes to the heart of you, of what you did in this book. I promise I read that quote somewhere, 
and I've loved it for years. But when yeah. I tried to find it again, I couldn't find it anywhere. And then I thought to myself, did I sort of start making up this quote? <laughs> but it speaks to me. I, I, this is like the crux of who I am or who I've become. I certainly yeah. didn't start off this way, but it's the idea that, you know, so many times somebody will be upset or somebody will come to you and they'll want you to be upset. Like you be upset with me. You're my yeah. friend, you know, let's hate this person together or let's feel <laughs> this way about this other thing. And the oh thing God. is, and that's kind of funny for a little bit, right? But the truth of the matter is, you know, anger is just a shield for a lot of other things. Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe it's grief or sadness or fear, you know, at the root of that, you know, Marianne yeah. Williamson, all about love and fear. But I just, uh, and that's one thing I learned as an acupuncturist about not judging and not saying this is good or bad, yeah. but it being empathetic, of course, you know, and feeling for other people, but allowing people to come to their truth and to um, not take it away and just go, oh, it's okay. It'll be better tomorrow, but let's yeah. just allow it because, you know, this may be the thing that wakes you up. Like in my situation, boy, was I suffering when I learned this. And it wasn't an intentional suffering, like I want to suffer. It was, I can't help it. I'm just crying all the time. I don't know why I feel abandoned. I feel all these things. But I also knew enough by then that I needed to go through it. I mean, to get past it, there was just no way around it. And I knew that if I could get to the other side, yeah. That there would be some treasure, there would be something that I could take, something I would learn, something that would be kind of worth this journey. So mm -hmm. that's so maybe that was a little bit of my awakening too. And, and back to the, you know, I love that we have Winston Churchill's quote tonight, but it, he said also, when you're going through hell, keep going, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. keep going, don't stay there. But, yeah. you know, if someone's trying to take, no worries, you're fine, you know, don't worry, we'll take care mm -hmm. of you together, you're not going to walk your own journey. And, and mm -hmm. I, and I, you know, one of the things I found in life, <laughs> the hard knocks of life that, you know, you have to own the path that you decide to walk. And I think that what, what, how you did it, was specific to you, authentic to you. You, I don't think anyone can show you how to process the grief, the trauma that you had. And, and I think that you definitely were very effective in communicating that in your book. And I think that what is like, so, so back to, back to Junkyard Girl and, and I'm going to lovingly show it again because I love the cover so much. You know, I always wonder what is it that you want to offer the world with regard to this book? Now that we're a week away, a week away, what is it that you want to give from your heart space? Truth. Truth. You know, one of the hardest things for me was I'm somebody who really wants to be in the truth, even if it hurts. I just want, you know, to be truthful. So one of the hardest things for me was to, that I was pretty much lied to for so long. Yeah. And um, so I guess, you know, I don't even know that I know the answer to that. I'll just stick with truth because I believe that, you know, just like they say, the truth, um, the truth can set you free. Right. So th I think there are a lot of things in this book, a lot of takeaways, and maybe in a couple of years, I'll have all sorts of things to say. Yeah. 
But for now, I'm just really trying to be honest and, and, and have written a story that I believe to be honest. And I'm hoping that it's fair. And um, it's just my story as I see it. Yeah. And, you know, I have a question with regard to truth. I think for me, I hold it very, very high in regard. I don't like being lied to, especially the fact that I was a prosecutor for so long. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I was, you know, I definitely did not enjoy when others, you know, would like hold me along or pull me along on this path that was not honest, was not true. So my question to you is how do you deal when you know someone perhaps might be not telling you the truth as you, as you are? It drives me crazy. <laughs> well, and the other part of it is it wasn't just my immediate family. I have a massive extended family. I have 63 first cousins. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Oh, my and God. And they, they all knew but didn't tell me. So, oh so, and the odd thing is, I kid you not, Meg, about two yeah. weeks ago, no, actually a week ago, a woman who I knew from grammar school and went to high school with emailed wow. me and said, oh, I saw the book that you've written. She goes, I just want you to know that I knew. Oh, so wow. <laughs> oh my God. That's crazy. There oh. were so many people who knew. So um, oddly, I didn't feel a tremendous amount of anger towards anyone except for my birth mother, but th there are other reasons for that. Yeah. Um, I just... I knew my parents. I know how they were. I understood them. I understood all of these people and their reasoning. So even though I didn't, I felt I should have been told I had a right to know from the beginning. I also understand. I understand, which yeah. doesn't make it like, oh, it's all okay or whatever. There's yeah. just that I live with that paradox of yeah. I should have been told, but I understand. And I yeah. think that everybody tried to do their best in how they, you know, how, whatever they could do. Yeah, I think that that's basically the most compassionate thing that I've ever heard anyone say is <laughs> that, you know, we all just did our best with what information we had mm -hmm. at the time. And that's hopefully going to be a legacy that will res resonate. And with you, look at what you've been able to do and make with all of the lessons that you've you've had to learn and what your offering is the whole you know we give and receive this mm -hmm. is going to be pretty impactful for many people so this is one of my favorite parts of the interview is the time to manifest because manifesting for me like you said you manifested you know the whole star wars you manifest all of these wonderful opportunities in life so now what are you doing in your life to continue to do that, continue to put things out in the world that you want to manifest? What are tools that you use? Mm -hmm. I think the number one thing that I always am working towards is listening to myself and my heart, my intuition. Paying attention to that is really important to me because I never used to. When I was a kid, I listened to everybody else except me. Wow. And so now I'm definitely, and I, boy, I, I feel guided a lot. Yeah. The second thing I do every day, it's the first thing I think of, it's gratitude, gratitude, oh, gratitude, gratitude. I mean, yeah. and uh, the third thing is I always listen to the animals. I oh, listen yeah. to my dog. I pay attention. I really do. So these are three tools that I use. It's that animal human bond that's very strong in my life. 
Wow, that's amazing. And I think those were very well put because I think that with the tools that we have and we share with others, certainly people can adopt those for their own. And who knows what wonderful things will happen when, you know, you. I, I always like take what you like and leave the rest. But I always mm -hmm. like to hear how other people navigate the world. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you, you know, back at the beginning of the interview tonight, what intention did you have for this evening so that we can share it with others? My intention was to be as authentic as I could be. And the reason I, I chose that is I, whenever I used to, when I remember when I started doing podcasts a long time ago, I would memorize everything <laughs> and, and try to talk that way. And I realized, okay, that doesn't work. You know, I, I just feel that whatever I can whatever feels appropriate or whatever I'm feeling from you that we connect. Yeah. I just want it to be really authentic. And, and that's, uh, that was my intention today. Well, I think that you're a very authentic person, certainly from the get go when we connected, I certainly read that resonated with me, your honesty, mm -hmm. your, your integrity, your kindness. I think that that definitely comes through. Um, so what number did you pick in the magical guide to bliss tonight? Five. Five. Five is my my number. It's your go-to. I love it. <laughs> and when I went to see what five was, it, again, I started laughing when you said at the beginning how things can be so synchronistic. It's so perfect. I love it. I love it. So share with us from number five what mostly spoke to you with regard to. Oh, should I not read it? I should just pick what. You can do whatever you want. I always offer you the option to choose whether you want to pick from it or you want to read it or anything to that effect. Okay, let's, well, the thing is, I find, I find the author's writing so inspirational. <laughs> I received that. I received that. So it's um, number five is the future is completely open. Mm. The future is completely opened and we are writing it moment to moment. There's always potential to create an environment of blame mm. or one that is con conducive to loving kindness. So that's from Pema Chodron, author and wow. Buddhist teacher. Love so it. I can read the rest of it if you'd like. If you want to, I would love to sure. hear it. Actually, I like the I like what you picked. Yes, <laughs> I think I, I need to hear that. Like I always say, it's always for me. I know it's always for me. So <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So today and every day, you are the one who sets the tone for your life. Everything that has happened in the past is done, over, kaput, finished. A time machine is not available, at least not yet, to take you back in time for a do-over. So let it all go. Instead of dwelling on past losses, seize what you've gained, the wisdom of the lessons learned through experience. Gather all the confidence you can muster and move forward. The future is completely open. That fact alone is beyond exciting. As long as you live and breathe, you have time to write the best chapters of your life. You decide whether those chapters are filled with anger and blame or with love and kindness. Today is a new day in your journey. Unwritten chapters await you. Decide now to inscribe wonder into what has not yet been written. Redirect the present moment with all that is good, trusting that the future will unfold accordingly. Declare at this moment that you will become a force of love, hope, and joy, and know that the associated rewards for doing so are already yours. Are you ready to experience what awaits you with an attitude of optimism, love, and kindness? Away you go. I love it. Now, this is perfect for all of us yes. today because I think 
as you stand at the precipice of this new chapter, as the book is ready to come out to the world and, and, and how you are going to, on your launch date, you know, show up and, and just share the story in such a way that, you know, people are going to feel like very much empowered. I think it's going to be fantastic. And I love it. Just let the past go. It served you well. Now we have the information to take into our present moment. So our future can be even that more bright. So thank you for sharing that. I love it. I, I wanted to, you know, I love the little bits of inspiration that we all share with regard to our lives. And, you know, I want to ask you, what is your greatest wish for this next part of your journey? My greatest wish, you know, Meg, it's the same wish I've had for years. And it's, it's, it's kind of my, my, my prayer every morning. It's a thing that I say, which is please help me to reach my fullest positive potential in mind, body, and spirit. I feel that that covers everything that I, I could ever want. <laughs> I love it. No. Wow. That's a wonderful I guess a locator, <laughs> you know, where am I today? Yeah. Well, if I'm not there. Help me, you know, help me mm -hmm. evolve into the highest possible expression of my love for this myself and the world. I love it. That's wow. That's amazing. And you know, what else are we going to be looking forward to hearing from you with regard to this wonderful book? You have some events coming up, correct? I have events coming up. Uh, I live in Santa Fe, New Mexico, so it's already starting to get cold. And because of COVID, I've wanted to do outdoor events. So I do have two events. One's on November 5th here in Santa Fe and November 12th in Santa Fe. If you go to my website, animalhumanhealth.com. Can you do me a favor? Can you spell that out just so sure. everyone on the podcast can hear it as well? Yes. Sure. Animal, as in animal, humanhealth.com. Wonderful. animalhumanhealth.com. But if you go to the events tab, it talks about that. Mostly I'm doing a lot of uh, media podcasts. Um, you know, I've done interviews and whatnot. So, and I'll be on social media a lot with some really fun stuff. So I hope you join me there. Very exciting. And your social media is Carlene Montes de Oca, right? Is that yes. what it is? Okay. Yes. So go find her there. And so what's next? We're going to see this in a movie form soon? Is that what's yes, coming up? Yes, please. <laughs> Let's see if we can manifest that. <laughs> uh, I think that would be fantastic. You know, certainly the whole idea of a junkyard girl, people are going to be very enticed to find out a little bit more. And certainly with all the twists and turns of taking a DNA test and then finding out a whole nother world about yourself, my God, and, and how you're still here to tell about it. You know, you, you, push through and and you made it a part of who you are now and mm -hmm. the beauty of who you are now and that highest part of yourself that you get to shine through now. So what final bit of inspiration do you have for us tonight as we go into our day tomorrow, the end of October, this is the last week, everyone, you know, it's an empowered through service mentality for me in October, you know, I don't push that on anyone else, but that's my idea. And I love the theme tonight. But for you, what's the final bit of inspiration that we can take with us? I The word courage is the inspiring word that comes to mind. And mostly it's coming to mind, I think, because if my adoptive mother had not heard a woman, a complete stranger crying at, you know, in the yard of a friend's house who she stopped to see and my mother, 24, and this woman was pregnant. She was unmarried. She already had kids. 
And my mother, um, she wanted to have an abortion. And my mother said to her, we'll take your child, we'll adopt your child, I wouldn't be here. And so that's how my journey, that's what I discovered my adoptive mother had done for me. And I think to myself, wow, what an amazing act of courage. I mean, it's not it's one thing to adopt your dog, you know, which I do all the time. It's another to adopt a kid, you know. Yeah. And so I just hope that um, maybe courage, you know, what can we do within in our lives that are maybe small things, little acts of courage, random acts of courage. I love that. Random acts of courage. And, you know, you talked about in the initial the, the fact that courage, you know, the heart space and core in Latin means heart, you know. Mm-hmm. So certainly those acts that come from our heart, your mom, your mom is your adopted mom is living testament to that, to embrace you and the life that is you. And she's a part of you as well as your biological mom and your sisters and your brothers and all of these people that you met over the years. So I love that you said that courage is so important. I think as we, we move toward the end of 2022 into 2023, where can we get your book? My God, it's on pre-sale right now. Let's not forget that. That is really important. (laughs) Yes, it's actually, well, it's a kind of a secret, but it's a soft launch that I already started. And it was mostly for the advanced readers, but people can actually find it right now on amazon.com. Okay. But by mid-November, it will be available, um, you, you know, in bookstores, it can be ordered and, um, and everywhere that you like to shop. Oh my, and are you going to take Grace with you to all your book launches? Oh, I am, you know, that's how I'm attracting people. Come to this book launch because Grace will be there. <laughs> they don't want to see you. They want to see no, Grace. they want to see Grace. They want to see you too. Oh my God. Well, tonight I have truly enjoyed the conversation. You are delightful. Your book is wonderful. It's a wonderful memoir. Certainly something that I've never read about. So that was another twist on the whole thing, you know, how that experience and how someone, you know, later on in life, you know, finds out this like world rocking information and, and you're here to tell about and share with others and, and, you know, be the light for those who might be going through something similar, they can see themselves in your story. And I think that that's beautiful. And I think that's exciting. And I, and I can't wait for the stories you get to tell from actually putting your truth out into the world. So thank you, Carlene, very much for this. I've truly enjoyed talking to you and getting to know you. And yeah, I get to see, I get to watch as a bystander now as to the unfolding of this beautiful book and your life as it goes forward. So thank you very much. Thank you, Meg. It's been such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. And remember, everybody, we're all here to be the deliberate creators of our own lives. Got to dream big and let those positive vibrations be raised to the height on this planet so that everybody can benefit. We are collective. We are not solo on an island. We impact each other. So keep that in mind. Let's continue to spread the love. Time to manifest the life of your dreams. Wishing you all bliss. Thank you and have a wonderful evening, everyone. Good night, Carlene. Have a good one. Good night. Bye, everyone. Hi, it's Meg. Thank you for listening to this episode of Manifesting with Meg. If you loved this conversation, be sure to subscribe and share the extraordinary and get your copy of The Magical Guide to Bliss today. See you soon.